Back in 1969, I think it was, in 1972, the Apollo missions went to the moon and they brought back with them some dirt, samples of moon dirt. For almost 50 years, that dirt just sat there. Nobody did anything with it. It just just sat there. Uh, In 2022, scientists at the University of Florida took that dirt and they planted some mustard greens in it. The result looked something like this. After two days, the mustard green plants, which are one of the fastest growing plants on the planet, sprouted. After six days, though, it was plain that the mustard green plants in the dirt from the moon would not grow very well. On the right is the plants that grew from the moon dirt. Uh, On the left is plants growing in volcanic ash, which pale in comparison to what a mustard green plant looks at six days in just regular old, good old earth dirt. It's hard to imagine, isn't it, that there's a world out there where things don't live, where, where nothing lives. I mean, I admit that we can, we can take a, a seed and we can manipulate it and we can shove it down in there. They actually had to spray the plants. They watered the plants with like a nutrients-based or filled solution because otherwise they had a strong suspicion nothing would even grow. So they injected nutrients into the soil. It's hard to imagine that there is a world out there where there is no life. Nothing lives. And, you know, you compare that, right? I I take a a seed here. I've got a seed so tiny that, that you can't even see it from where you're sitting. And if I take this seed and I jam it down into the ground, you know that in a couple of weeks I'm going to have a beautiful tomato plant or a lovely marigold or something else just beautiful and wonderful to look at. That is the world where we live. And, friends, that difference is Easter. Right, that difference right there, the difference between a world that is death and a world that is life, that difference is Easter. This is the Easter story, and, and you know it well. Let me tell it to you. About 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth. He did great things. He healed the lame and the blind and the sick. He fed 5,000. He argued with the Pharisees who used their position in life to impose sometimes ridiculous rules on people. He saved a tax collector. He taught some of the wisest teachings that have been known to all people. All of this he did. He even raised the dead. After 30 years of his life, he was such a conflicted figure. There was so much conflict surrounding him. Some people loved him. Some people hated him. So they, they arrested him. They trumped up charges against him. They used social and political pressure to force the leaders to put him to death. He was crucified and he was buried in a tomb. Then three days later, some women went to the tomb, and they got there, and they found the tomb was empty. This is the big twist of the story. They said, someone has taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. I always think that's kind of funny. I'm sure that they were wonderful women, but it's kind of like when uh, 
a, a woman walks up to her closet and she says, somebody took my shoes again. I wonder where, where they went, you know, and she's yelling at all of her kids or something. I mean, it, it, they didn't say, oh, I bet he's a ghost now. They didn't say, oh, I, I bet he rose from the dead. They said, oh, I wonder where he went. <laughs> I've always found that kind of funny. But that's Easter. Nobody gets it. It's such a worldview-shifting, attitude-changing, mindset- and perspective-altering event that you will spend your life trying to wrap your mind around what Easter means. Nobody gets Easter. Nobody knows what to do with Easter. It's so big you can hardly imagine. It's like the difference between a world where there is nothing but death and then life. And you know, I know, that there are are people out there that embrace a life that is just death. That's the life they want, a life of death. But there is a life of life, and that is the life that we want. That's why today, Easter Day, we want to see, John wants to show us four things that are changed about life entirely because Jesus lives. John tells us four things that just are completely changed about life because he lives. And so here's what I want you to do as we get started. Everybody should have gotten an outline as as you walked in. And if you look at your outline on that page, on the right side of the page, you'll see that there's a blank there where it says, if Jesus lives, if Jesus lives, blank. What I'd like you to do is to write down just one thing that changes because he lives. I'm going to give you one minute now. Take out a pencil. You should have some pens or pencils in that row in front of you if you don't have them in, in your own, on your own person. Look at, that, look at that blank there and think, if Jesus lives, here's one thing that changes about all of life because he lives. Write that, get, I'll give you one minute and write that down. All right, that's, that's one minute there. Hopefully you've got one way that life changes if Jesus lives. It's such a big thing to think about. And let me show you what the four things that, that John wants to tell us this morning. Four things from John uh, that change if Jesus lives. I'm, I'm on page 880 in the white and blue Bibles there, if you, if you have one in front of you. By the way, if you don't have a Bible or if you like a Bible, feel free to take one of these home with you. The first 13, 14 verses of this section tell us simply of the event where Peter and Mary and and John, the friend of Peter, all run to the tomb to see Jesus. Verse 14, we hear the first change. Verse 14, Mary turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was him. The first thing that happens is if Jesus lives, people saw him. And maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal, 
Of course, if he lives, people saw him. But look at this list. Let me give you just this quick list. This is a short list of the people who saw Jesus. Mary Magdalene, Peter, the Emmaus disciples, the 11, the rest of the other, right? Peter and then six others. We don't know if they were part of the the 11 or not. 500 people, James, the brother of Jesus, and finally, Paul. That's a pretty long list of people who saw a guy after he died, Now, I've been to plenty of funerals, and I've been with people as they've died. I have yet to see one walk away. I've never seen somebody after they died. Right? I mean, you haven't haven't either. There are billions of people all over this world that you have never met. Yet you know that they're alive because somebody has seen them. Somebody has said that. This is a guy that, yes, you haven't met, but there were plenty of people who have seen this guy. People who lived in an ancient time and did not expect people to just randomly rise from the dead. Plenty of people have seen this, amen. The world's most popular religion was started by a guy who was seen by many people. That's the first thing that changes. If Jesus lives, people see him about life. Second thing that John wants to show us here this morning, second thing that John wants to show us, verse 16, or verse 14, and then again at at verse 16, but also verse 16, Mary turns around when she hears the gardener talk to her. She turns around and she cries out, Rabboni, which means teacher. This is the second thing. If, If Jesus lives, people turn and they go to him. When you, when you look through the Bible, people turn and they flock to Jesus. They are raptured by him. They are enamored by him. They, they just come to him. They turn from their lives and they go to him. The first and the most famous story of somebody who, who switched sides and went to him is not Mary. Mary already knew him. It's Paul, the, the man named Paul. Paul was raised as a Jewish man and the best of the best Jewish educated at the time. He was fully committed to his life, but he switched sides. He saw Jesus and he changed. And it happened to countless others. James, the, his very own brother, the brother of Jesus, is another classic example. James, when he be, knew Jesus before he rose, did not believe in his very own brother. He did not think that his brother was God. After Jesus rose, he became the leader of the church. Now, you all know your own brothers. If you walked around and you told your brothers, I'm God, what would your brother say to you? (laughs) Jesus says, I rose from the dead, and his brother says, I will fight for you. I will go to the death for you. I will go through hell for you. I will do it all for you. That is a change. See, if Jesus lives, then people change. People change their minds. People change their perspectives. People change their opinions. People switch sides. They come to Jesus. They gather around him. They love him. And they worship him. If we follow Jesus, we change. It happens. 
It must happen. And that lets us see the third thing here, the third thing that, that John shows to us. Mary must have grabbed on to Jesus or at least started to come close to Jesus. Verse 17, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Do not hold on to me. She must have come at Jesus. And that lets us know this third thing because the guy who died, he rose. And he didn't rise like a ghost or like a robot, or like a phantom, or a wisp in the wind, right? Or, or, or a vision of light. He rose with a body. Christians have always noticed that the guy who died rose with a body. Thomas touched him in his hands and his side. He had a body And because of that, Christians have always been committed to knowing more about the body than practically anybody else. It was Christians. Here's an example, right? Christians who during the plague in the 300s, healthy people were fleeing from the cities out of Turkey and the far, the Near East. They were fleeing out of Jerusalem and Antioch and Turkey, fleeing out to the countryside to get away from a plague. It was the Christians who all day long tended to the dying and to their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. The Christians stayed and they took care of people during the plague. Do you know who started the first hospitals? Wikipedia will even tell you this. It was, it was Christians. Christians started the hospitals. Public hospitals did not exist until the Christian period. It was about the end of the second century, excuse me, the end of the fourth century that the founding of the first hospital was done by Basil of Caesarea, one of the great bishops of the church. Christians were focused on the body and taking care of the body. They've even been invested heavily in science because Jesus has a body. Now, I know that many of us feel like there's some tension and conflict, and we've all got issues about about science, biology, the origins of life, all of those things, right? We know Galileo and the discussion of the center of the universe, but Roger Bacon, Galileo, and Francis Bacon, all the fathers of the scientific revolution, were deeply committed Christians. Francis Bacon was a devout Anglican. Roger Bacon was a monk. They believed you could know God through science and the investigation of this world, because Jesus had a body. And that lets us see the fourth thing. As Jesus closes and he says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. If Jesus lives, he can make God your Father. If Jesus lives... He is exactly the guy that he said he was his whole life. He claimed to be the Lord and the Savior. And his resurrection vindicates him to be that man. None of us can claim to be God's children on our own. I am a father and I am a son. I am the son of my father I'm the father of my son. I am not a child of God on my own. I can only become that child if I get adopted, brought into that family. 
Jesus said, I will give up my place in that family and I will give it to Nathaniel. I will give it to Bob. I will give it to Jane. I will give it to Pete. I will give it to Jose. I will give it to anybody who wants that spot in my family. I can bring you into my family. And because of that, Christians have always said, if Jesus lives, then he can make God your father. You can call on the God of heaven and earth as your very own father. There's four ways John tells us if Jesus lives, you can make God your father. So friends, let's live in this world where Jesus lives. Live in that world where there is life. Live in the world where he is alive. Don't live in the world of death. Let me come back to that seed. We all know that if if I take this seed and I plant it deep in the ground, and in just a little bit of time, it will become a a huge and wonderful plant. The same Peter who ran to the tomb years later would say this. He said, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. When God plants his seed in you, then you will live. Did you hear what happened in this lesson? Jesus, in verse 16, said to her, Mary. And it was then that she turned. It was when she, he said, Mary, that she lived to him. You know, those words, words are much more powerful than you and I ever imagined. One of my favorite stories is the story of, of Helen Keller. Helen was born down in Alabama, and she tells how she grew up because she was, had a deadly sickness in a world of darkness and blindness. It was practically like being dead. She said, I had no concepts of nature or of mind or of death. I literally thought with my body. I was like an unconscious piece of dirt. There was nothing in me except for the instinct to eat and to drink and to sleep. And perhaps you know how she began to see, as she says. One day, her tutor spelled out the word water on her hand while she pumped water over her hand, W-A-T-E-R, over and over. And, and Helen, she says, it, it, was like, it was like a religious experience, something like the nature of revelation. She says, all at once there was a strange stir within me, a misty consciousness, a sense of something remembered. It was as if something had come back to life after being dead. Life came in her that day. How? By a word. A word was spoken in her, a seed was planted deep in her, and life came alive. And you know how far she went on that religious experience? She said because of that day, she went through and she read all kinds of religious books, and she said eventually, I have a joyous sense of personal immortality. Life in the other world is just as real and full of change and wonder as one on earth. But one is given eyes and ears to perceive far more clearly the varieties of good and constructive thought that flesh conceals on earth. That is a life that is lived when the word brings life to you. Friends, has, has the word spoken life into you? If you've heard all of these ways that John says, Our world changes if Jesus lives. And you've said, that's not my life. 
then you are living in the world of death. You're walking the way of death. And it's time to come alive. It is time to hear the word who lives say to you, live. Say your name, Bob, Pete, Joe, Steve, Jane, Nancy, Rose, Frida, all of those names. Hear those names like seeds planted deep in you and know that the Lord who lives says that to you. Live. Live in a life where there is life. Don't walk in the way of death. Live with life. Choose to live in the world that lives. Friends, today is Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's live in the world of life. In Jesus' name, amen.